right, welcome to episode number 71 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on June the 7th, 2020. My name is Eric, I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services dur- during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people better prepare for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, ham radio operator, and my farm's designated handyman. Hold on. Certified? <laughs> I did get certified. Oh! And you, you wait to tell us in your intro. Crap, now I'm behind. Uh, <laughs> my, my name's Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, soon to be ham radio operator, and overall safety nerd. Pressure's on. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter, and station chief. Um, I'm also a volunteer search and rescue technician and a prepper. Um, I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to Varen the Greece for the last six years or so. And this was born out of necessity for the protection and um, survival of my young family, which includes three children. And I am not working towards my ham radio license. So I'll get to it. All right. Want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air? Buy a Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few moments and like us on Facebook, submit a review on iTunes. We also want your feedback, good, bad, and different, even if there's just a topic you want us to cover. Shoot us an email, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Or even just help us prove that that email address still works. Because nothing ever comes in. <laughs> Uh, we've got some content under curfew for you in this episode. Yes, the horrible jokes continue into episode 71. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news. Next, we'll uh, let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode, and then we're going to get into the main topic. Let's move into some news. Sorry, I was on mute there. <laughs> it is. I just forgot to take the mute off. Um, two things um, current and one ongoing. Um, if you're uh, if you're up on your book of revelations, there are a whole bunch. Of, there's a, a swarms of locusts chewing up crops in India. Um, that just adds to the the Jumanji level of that is 2020. Um, so that's um, that's a big deal. Um, it's going to cause even less food security than they have now. And then uh, a couple of weeks back, it's an ongoing problem: forest fires in the Chernobyl area, uh, setting off radiation spikes. Uh, which, if you uh, go back to our nuclear fallout episode, we discussed why that's a bad thing. Um, I forget where that was. That's a while, that's a while back, but uh, check that out. Um, so that's a big deal. Um, obviously, there was a um, Chernobyl had that giant meltdown a few years ago, what thirty years ago, and um, they've still got some uh, some stuff going on there, and it's getting worse all of a sudden. So, not only forest fires, but nuclear forest fires. Twenty twenty. What the heck? Twenty twenty, man. That's just how it's going to be. I think you nailed it. I called the Jumanji thing because, like, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> I take no credit for that at all. That is a uh, that's just a, a thing going around, especially Instagram. Uh, it's a, it's it's one of the socials. You, you know, June has arrived. You've now reached level six of oh, Jumanji. Geez. So that's uh, that's a thing now. Well, and you think about it too, like hey, you're totally right because I mean, if the uh, I guess the trees are growing up and they're absorbing the radioactive soil and bringing some of the bits into the trees and it gets stored there, you know, kind of like a carbon trap or whatever. And then when it gets burned off, yeah, it's going to release whatever it has, and the half life isn't quite. Uh, like the half-life on some of the stuff hasn't even been reached yet, right? I think you're right. So, 
pretty crazy exactly stuff. so um so now you've got um now you've got all these uh, these radioactive particles dancing through the air on the on the on the smoke so that's uh, that's awesome totally for effective against covid Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we use radiation to treat cancer. I don't know if that. I don't know if the same thing applies. Well, a little bit of good. A little bit is a good thing. Maybe a lot is a bad thing. We'll see. Yeah. Anyways, for myself, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's been some riots lately. No, <laughs> you don't Seriously. say. Seriously. Um, Where have I been? Yeah, I, a couple of things. I just you know. That I guess the spinoff effects of a lot of stuff uh, with these riots. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about those more in the in the main episode or main topic here. But I mean, uh, our glorious leader taking a knee, bit of political pandering going on there because he basically did his knee and then then left um, with a bit of jeering in the background. But um, yeah, politicians will always try and take advantage of the situation and to blame the other side, no matter what stripe of politician they are. And uh, I just think it's kind of sad people kind of latch onto that to better their uh, their party or themselves or whatever. Uh, so I put the like, link to the Guardian on that one because they weren't proud of him either. Uh, but I have to ask, what's with the so- lack of social distancing? I thought that was a thing up until like the riot started, right? Like yeah, COVID so... can't, can't possibly spread during a riot. Yeah, I, I guess. I, think the... I guess the. Sorry, you go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I was gonna say, I guess the uh, COVID is no longer the main news topic, so I guess that no longer applies. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the whole JT thing. Over now, so Xander would be proud of Justin's pose for sure. I think for me, the whole JT thinks and E thing, I mean, I've got a couple issues with it, but especially where, um, you know, Trudeau and his gang of liberals and the NDP decided to give themselves the summer off and not reconvene parliament until the fall because, uh, you know, of COVID-19, but it's so gay to go march in a protest with thousands of other people um, and be shoulder to shoulder. So, you know, if you're going to be a hypocrite and say, we're not going to reopen parliament until the fall, but then you can go to a, a protest. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a hard sale guys. So it's almost not- as if they have some kind of other motive. Yeah, like an agenda. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling it here. Yeah. The uh, the other thing I just want to mention too is the fact that yeah, although it happened in a different country, and obviously nobody in Canada was to blame of what caused the original about uh, about riots. Sure enough, we've got protests happening in Montreal in support. Uh, you know, whether you think it's a good or a bad thing, it's just it's one. Of the, I'm just trying to show the fact that it can spread to other countries quite easily, just on a basically an idea or. Uh, in solidarity, it doesn't take much in your own country for stuff to start. So I just put it through in an article for the uh, the uh, protests happening in Montreal, which is actually fairly large. Yep, they've also been uh, um, through a lot of Europe, uh, England, France. I think even um, Portugal and Poland all had uh, um, solidarity demonstrations. I think is how they were being uh, they were being labeled um, for the for the same for the same thing. Well, that's pretty much all I had. Anybody else? No, no. any article I could pull out was uh, riots, riots. Um, oh, by the way, there were some riots. <laughs> oh, I figured uh, you've got it covered there. We'll uh, move into what we've done lately for preps then. Let's start with Hughes. Yeah, so um, we've got eyes on a, a new travel trailer um, that's going to hopefully finalize this week. Um, it's uh, looking to be like a 29 foot, sorry, 28 foot trailer. Um, so, you know, pr- primarily going to be for family vacations and such with three young kids, but uh, it's all part of my plan for bugging out as well. So 
Um, I've also spent the last couple of days reviewing and beefing up uh, my home network security. So I've introduced a bunch of new uh, Unify um, gear within the network. So I've been playing yeah. around with that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 expensive, but it's nice. And you know, it's been about probably six or seven years since I've done any major work on my network. Um, I've also set up a new NAS with uh, triple redundancy, so I've got on-site, off-site, um, and I'm also backing up uh, some encrypted content to Amazon's AWS Glacier uh, setup, which is an extremely low-cost. Uh, um, solution. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I've been up to the last week. The Unify stuff's very nice. I've been deploying it here too. Yeah, it's it's a thing of beauty. Oh, yeah. Geeking out on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For myself, I got out to the range and uh, put a bunch of rounds down range. It's been a while, so it was nice to, to take most of the firearms out for a walk at least. A couple of them had to stay put, but what do you yep. do? You'll save Queens. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, that is. Yeah. Yeah. The current ongoing reality, unfortunately. Uh, so far, okay, so I, uh, I have to admit, after the last episode where we did the ham thing, we, uh, I was like, okay, enough is enough. And so, sure enough, I had a listener uh, actually met, private messaged me and said, hey, listen, I know somebody that can test locally. And so, I, uh, because I've been putting it off for, what, a year and a half since we started this or whatever? And uh, so I basically just uh, contacted the examiner and said, listen, can you, do, can you do the exam on Friday? And he's like, yep. So that gave me a really artificial high pressure, high stress deadline. Yep. So I basically spent the, you know, the next five days uh, power studying and going through it, just, uh, you know, reviewing everything I'd gone over before, doing a bunch of brass exams and everything else and kind of powered my way through it. And yeah, I got it taken care of on Friday. And the best part was the government's actually efficient in, in some respects in the fact that it was a weekend now, it was after close business on Friday, they were able to uh, get my uh, test results passed through. I got my call sign and my radio operator certificate is already in the mail all the way. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, and it turns out, I found out, Eric, uh, for everybody that's a ham there, um, that you can actually take your uh, call sign and you can actually re- check to not have your address or anything else shared because uh, privacy issues now. So now it'll just show your na- name, province, and everything else, which is great because that's a lot of people are concerned about OPSEC when it comes to getting their hand license. And so, you know, if you want to increase your OPSEC or whatever, at least, or at least keep it relatively good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because before you had to publicize your home address and all that kind of stuff, right? your name and sign there. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, everything, right? So now you can choose uh, and... Yeah, and actually, unfortunately, CPP was taken, so I had to get uh, TIR for the island retreat. So yeah, yeah, that worked. Anyway, that's what I got. Nice. Yeah. Um, so other than that, after I got the hammer deal license done, I was pretty happy with myself. And uh, yeah, so I got some needed maintenance on quad, which is also our farm tractor. Uh, so I actually rebuilt the carb last year via YouTube. I'd never done one before, and I did a good job. So it's been acting funny for the last year. So I had the mentor uh, give me a and there he uh, the the fuel tank everything even the, uh, the top of the engine uh, cleaned all out got it to work first like a kit now and uh, got winch unstuck which had all the metal cable kind of looped over on itself to the point where it wasn't even working and so we kind of stretched that all the way out with some help and uh, re-greased it and everything else now the winch works again so I can take down trees properly nice so that's all I did 
I did nowhere near that much. Um, spent this week uh, with a you know, heavy heavy workload, so didn't do a whole ton of anything. Um, pulled out all of my camping gear. Uh, did some backyard camping this weekend with the kids and got some uh, some kit tested and drew up plans for my new uh, my new emergency housing facility is what we're calling it, which is my big awesome garage that's going to be twice the size that it is now and um be living stable and lots of storage and all kinds of other goodies so that was my uh that was my week nothing uh nothing anywhere near as cool as yet eh, it happens we can't all compete with ian he always beats us anyways every week well i mean he only works like four hours a month so it's really hard to compare right true <laughs> Something like that. I did have to work this week, actually. And I just got back. I was actually studying whilst at work in between work work duties. And uh, yeah, it was actually pretty funny. Like to the point where every time I was just before bed, I was like falling asleep doing practice exams and everything else. Because if you don't have that pressure, you're never going to get it done, right? So nope. artificial deadlines work. Uh, we're going to have to find a time now to link up some repeaters and get chatting. Right, so we move into the main topic. We're going to talk about rioting this evening. Well, yeah, I have some questions for you after this show on the cool. I can't, I can't hear Ian anymore. I think he's, he's no, I think Ian, yeah. Okay, well, as long as it's him. Yeah. Uh, Damn, so there's... There's, there's, there's. I, I think it's it's important that we talk about the difference between protesting and rioting. We're, I Absolutely. think we're, we're all in agreement that protesting is good. Yep. Um, keep holding the government accountable for their actions is good. Keeping the people responsible for enforcing our laws, um, keeping them restricted to enforcing those laws and not making things arbitrarily. Uh, I think that is also really good. That is really different from taking stuff from a target because you want a new TV. And I think that's the, uh, there, there's a, there's a, a bit of a gap there and there's a, although it's a gap, it's kind of a blurry line. So, um, for our purposes, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the different, not protesting. We encourage that, but what happens if you happen to be caught up in a riot? I think that's the, uh, that's the, the big difference. And that's the thing that we're going to focus on tonight. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a huge, huge difference, and and I have a really hard time understanding the let's smash everything and light it on fire perspective. Um, totally get the you know the peaceful protest, get our, our point across, but um, when it gets to the point of smashing things and lighting stuff on fire and just taking stuff from from stores for no apparent reason, um, of course it gets uh, it gets dangerous, and then that's something that we we want to think about as far as if you get caught up in it or you, you find yourself uh, maybe peacefully protesting and then all of a sudden it, the crowd flips on you. Um, you know, you need to have some plans and, and places to how to get out of there and how to, how to distance yourself and get out, uh, get out before it gets bad. I find that interesting because I mean, I, you know, I wasn't at any of these protests or riots or anything like that. And I mean, this is easy for me to say as an armchair warrior sitting here saying that I watched a lot of the live feeds that were happening over the last two weeks or so, but it almost seems like the protests start as just at a protest. Yep. And there's probably a few bad apples within the group, um, like with any group that decide that, you know, we're going to start flipping over cars, burning them, breaking store windows and breaking the store windows leads to looting. Um, but there's almost, and I'm, I'm struggling to find a word. There's, there's almost this gang like mentality that kind of probably erupts. And, you know, there's probably only a few people that started, you know, the bad actions that I'm going to call, you know, flipping over police cars and breaking store windows and all that kind of stuff. But then people are like, Oh, this is okay to do, you know, I'm going to take part in it. And, you know, they may feel as though they've had some injustice done to them or their 
their their group or people that they identify with and they feel as though you know this is a way for this is a way of redemption you know to go into target and steal some electronics or some shoes and all that kind of stuff right so i think that these are definitely fed by that that gang like uh, mentality um, that happens in a protest and obviously not everyone partakes in it you know you've got a lot of people that are standing by re- recording this stuff that are not actively taking part in the eluding but you know there are a significant number of people that went in and destroyed like the target that was in uh, Minneapolis and the Apple stores and other cities and stuff right so I just I find that hard to wrap my head around that um, and and that's the part that bothers me. And I've heard people say, you know, you can't be against George Floyd being killed and be against the riot at the same time. And I, I said, no, you can't. I mean, I'm I'm against what happened to George Floyd, um, but I'm also against not the protests, but the rioting, the looting, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's that whole group mentality, right, where right. people think, you know, I'm not going to get caught because no one's ever going to be able to identify me, and everybody else is smashing things and lighting it on fire. I may as well participate as well, or you know, everybody that big mob mentality, right? And re- that's that's the key word right there. That's that's yeah. what I was looking for. Thanks, is that that mob like mentality? And the thing is, is you know, you see police officers and police cruisers standing by and watching this happen, and you're saying, why aren't they doing anything? And you know, you've got a thousand people, or like let's say a few hundred people that are breaking into a super center like a Target or a Walmart. You know, what are five or ten cops going to do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, right? And if that group of five or ten or a hundred people turn on those five officers, doesn't matter if they're armed or not, nope. it's game over for those guys, right? So yeah, it becomes there, there a document, is nothing. Document, document game at that point. Yeah, and I mean, you've heard of, of again, these are reports I've heard in the media, so take it with a grain of salt, of store owners in some countries, or sorry, some cities in the U.S. last week calling the police department saying, you know, rioters and looters are at my store, come help me. And the police department saying, listen, the whole city's under attack. Do what you got to do, right? Because they're not going to be able to mobilize police officers to go to your help at that point. So do you abandon it or do you stand your ground? And, and it is. And I, I think if we were to dig down a little bit deeper, and I'm, I'm no sociological anthropologist, anything, um, but I think if you were to dig down, you would see where the, the, people, the people that are angry with the police and I'm not going to comment on whether that's right or wrong. I think the people who are angry at the police who are not getting their response, they're the ones, they, they start lashing out, which causes that ripple effect because of a, a mob mentality. When everybody's angry, somebody smashes something and it's a police car. The next person can't smash a police car because he's not within reach, but there's something else there and then something gets smashed. And I think that's, that's if, if you were to break it down, you'd probably see something similar to that across most protests that turn into riots, as well as enough people out there that are just opportunistic and looking for a quiet way so-called to get in and out because they're not going to be able to be stopped or identified and then you also hear of people like you know you'll see undercover officers within the crowds that seem to anger people because these are the guys that are walking around with the clearly visible um um, like in ear mic, right? So I mean, it's clearly people could see it. So I mean, you know, they're identifying these 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 people as undercover officers within the crowd. That angers the crowd. Um, you've got reports from different cities where um, police officers were almost taunting the protesters, um, or you know, as they're getting close to curfew and all that kind of stuff. Or things like, you know, they had set up makeshift water stations for the protesters to have water and be able to hydrate, and the police were coming in and basically dis- dismantling this and you know, destroying all the water. Well, that 
just gets the protesters even more upset, even more angry. You know, they're there protesting police brutality, and then they see these things happen. And that might be the clincher for some people saying, you know, we're out here peacefully protesting, and you come in and you destroy our water. Why? You know, and that could be what, what really sets that mob mentality off at that point. Yeah, there's so many different things that can set that mentality off. And then once you set it off, though, it's it, you can't put it back into the bottle, right? It's no. out, and that's it. So yeah. these things start to go down that hill. You can't put uh, the toothpaste back in the tube. No, you certainly can't. It's, uh, yeah. Which is why, you know, if you're out at a protest and, and you're paying close attention to, to the crowds and, and what's happening and you start to see it kind of going down that slope, it, it might be time to start planning the, to get out of where you are or at least planning your exit or, or figuring out what's around you and what's the best way to get out. Um, just paying attention to the crowd is important. Well, then, with any hazard, and again, I think we talked about this in our in our nuclear episode. Uh, your the three things that keep you safe are time, distance, and shielding. So time time to escape. So the, the the sooner you can identify that this this is this has gone from a a peaceful protest to an angry protest or an angry or a peaceful protest to a to something violent, the sooner you can identify that, the more time you have to get yourself out. Distance, of course, the further away you can get from people doing bad things the less likely you are to be hurt in by those people and shielding the more hard stuff you can put between you and them the safer absolutely yeah and that's another thought as well and see uh, ian's joined us again um if you're if you reside in an area where there's protests that happen quite often uh, or if you're in an area where they maybe don't happen quite often but they happen to be happening in your area at the time and you don't have a way to escape because that's where you reside. Uh, again, keeping an eye on the crowd and knowing how to, you know, block your your residents or protect your residents from uh, from things getting thrown at it or smashed or staying away from the windows or you know locking yourself downstairs in a basement or something if things go sideways. Just paying attention to that crowd and, and realizing, oh, okay, it's time to maybe get ahead of what's coming down the down the hill here. Yeah, and I think I see it as as a lot of these people within the mob that are that are committing these I'm going to call them offenses like the rioting and and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they're very opportunistic, right? So if you Absolutely. have something flashy, you have something that is of value, um, you know, try to hide it, right? Make sure that it's not an open site. People are probably still going to smash your windows, yep. um, but it doesn't, you know, if you're sheltering in place and you're you're somewhere safe within your home that you don't think people are going to come. I mean, again, this is not really a home invasion. People are, are looking for a crime of opportunity. They're smashing a window. They see a MacBook. They see a cell phone or something like that. They grab it and go, right? I don't think that they're going to be going through every drawer in your house and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the mob is moving. And so that's just my take on it is, is obviously, you know, make sure that you're safe. Make sure that anything that could be, you know, seen as, as something very opportunistic for them to grab is out is, is out of you. And I don't know it, you know, what what the consensus is. Should you have your lights on? Should you have your lights off? Should it look like somebody's home, like somebody isn't home? You know, because people are probably less likely to break into an occupied home than an unoccupied home, right? Understanding, especially in a lot of um places in the states people can be armed and you know they they can have that castle doctrine. So it's probably not worth losing your life for an iPhone, right? So yep. Or even have something set aside that you can leave for them to take and feel as though they've taken something from your place. Little honeypot. You yeah. don't 
you don't care about it, right? Yeah. And vehicles. I mean, you know, if you've got a one car garage and if you've got two, two vehicles, maybe you bring one vehicle to work. Maybe that your workplace is 30 mile, miles away. You go park that vehicle there, which, you know, there's no protests happening. And then the other vehicle can be safely put away in the garage. Chances are it's probably not going to get damaged unless they manage to, to get in. But, um, you know, there's a number of steps that you can take to shelter in place and hopefully stay safe. Um, I, I don't know how I'd feel leaving my home knowing that there's riots in the area because, Obviously, then I, you know, I, I have the fear that, you know, they may come into the home and grab stuff. But then at the same time, I, am I putting myself in harm's way and my family in harm's way by staying here? Right. Yeah. It's a fine. It's a balancing act for sure. Right. And that all comes with reading the crowd and reading what's happening. Right. If you can read it and see it's a, it's a protest, it's under control. There's nothing really to be worried about here. Then you're obviously you're okay. But as soon as it kind of starts, that vibe starts to change and it starts to go down that slippery hill. It's time to start thinking, well, okay, am I doing plan A or am I doing plan B? And plan A and plan B should obviously be uh, right. planned out well in advance. But I also live in a rural area where yeah. nothing really remotely dangerous happens. There's nothing to protest out here. Um, and the homes are, you know, a quarter mile apart sometimes. So it's it's a lot of walking for not a lot of gain. Nothing <laughs> so. remotely dangerous happens, says the guy that had five minutes last week to get out. Well, nothing, okay, <laughs> crime-wise. Yeah, nothing, I knew you it you <laughs> Welcome but that, that level of complacency also also leads to the problem, right? So, uh, if, with a thorough risk analysis, if you've decided that that's that's low on your risk level, um, that's good. If you you know if 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 even if it's low on your risk scale, it's still a potential problem, and you still might only have five minutes to get out. Yeah. Um, so that's that's your that's your home. If you happen to be out and about, and things and things go south, and you can't um, get back to your home, yeah, can't get back to your home. If you if you happen to be caught up in one of these mobs, uh, number one, be the gray man, right? We've we've talked about that before. Be the gray man. Don't don't stand out. If you stand out, you're either going to be labeled an undercover cop. Yep. Or and be and be targeted that way, or you're going to be labeled an instigator because you're because you're off to the side, and you're going to be targeted by the police. Uh, so don't just don't like don't contribute to the problem, but don't stand out at all. Uh, get as, get as far get get as, sel- as safe as you can as quickly as you can, and uh, and you know keep yourself uh, keep yourself safe. I think it's uh, worth noting here, though, like if you're trying to make your way home and you encounter a crowd and you're in your vehicle. Um, trying to go through the crowd with your vehicle is definitely not the way to go about because everyone's going to have a cell phone. If, if there's a thousand people in the crowd, there's going to be 900 cell phones pointed to your vehicle. Whatever you do is going to be all over social media, your plates, your, your description of vehicle, your face and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, and even if you were to come up to the protesters and they start, you know, pounding on your vehicle, you panic, you hit the accelerator, you know, you injure, kill a few people. That's it for you. I mean, that, that, I mean, you know, you, you drove into, you drove into a bunch of people. It doesn't matter if they were on the highway or not. I mean, I know how I feel about it. If people were trying to block my vehicle, I know, I know what I don't want to do, but also I know the consequences of doing that. Um, and you saw there was a very good example. And I think it was in Minneapolis. There was a FedEx truck on the highway. Um, they were blocking it um, and, and basically starting to open the back of the truck and take some parcels and all kind of stuff. And they were banging on the windows and whatnot. And the driver just decided to hit the gas because he felt threatened for his life. And unfortunately, somebody was stuck under one of the axles and driving a semi you're not going to know that there's a person there and kept going and I, I think that person got killed so you know that was really unfortunate for that person um 
but you know, if you see a crowd, by all means, don't don't try to go through it. It's not it's not going to end well. They're not going to let you through peacefully, right? Nope. Um, these aren't union members, you know, for Unifor that are picketing, and yeah, so this is a very different story. And my advice is just to turn around and find find another way home, I guess. Well, because like Alan was said, and you said, Hughes, I mean, the target of a of a mob changes on a dime, right? It might right. be from like let's beat up this old lady over here to let's beat up FedEx driver over here. Yep. Uh, all they well, also have, has to happen is one guy just says, "Get that guy," and right. everybody's like, yep. "Well, I've been telling you to just do it without even thinking." So yeah. And another one that was that we've seen many, many, many times was that red Dodge Ram truck with a horse trailer attached, and as he was slowly making his way through the crowd, they started to pound on his windows. You know, I believe he had his spouse in his car or in the truck. They panic. He hit the accelerator. You think? A couple of people are going to stop a one-ton pickup with a forty-foot gooseneck trailer on the back. No. no, no, right. So just don't do it. Just just find another way, right? Yeah. And that's a good. It's a good way to um, to keep or a good reason to keep your ears on um, keep your ears on as many broadcasts as you can. Um, I've got a uh, I've got a scanner app on my phone. I can listen to most of the uh, most of the police bands in this area. There are a few that I can't get. Obviously, a lot of some of them are encrypted. But especially if you're in a major if you're in a major center, um, like New York, for example, you can hear ninety percent of their traffic. Most major American cities, if you find the right find the right station, you can listen to the traffic and hear what's happening, as well as. You know, just the local commercial radio stations will um, will generally keep you updated as to what's going on, so you can plan ahead, and that's super important, right? Stay stay away from it as much as you can. It, comes down, it really comes down to situational awareness, just knowing what your surroundings are and knowing what you're driving into. And you've got to think, I mean, these people are on foot. You're in a vehicle. You've got you've got the advantage. You've got the, the upper hand. You can turn around and hightail it out of there. They're never going to be able to catch you. But going into the crowd. That's yeah. that's not going to gain you anything. So. Well, I mean, whether you're participating in the riot or you're just having or stumbled across one, the chances of getting a criminal record out of the deal is pretty high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, best to and it. and you're not going to be able to defend your actions. I mean, you know, no. they're they're just going to see you drove through a crowd of people and that's it. So yeah. your your car is sacrificial in that case. Like you're, whatever you're driving, get out and walk away. You're before you before you hurt somebody and they target you specifically. If you're yeah, a target of opportunity. They can have the car. Go for they it. Can, I have they can torture the truck. I'll get a new one. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll get a new one out of that. That's the best yeah. thing that can ha- that could happen in my car right now. If somebody if somebody steals it on fire. <laughs> if anybody's listening, by the way, contact. And Alan's address is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, though. That uh, that you bring up there is you know if if you do find yourself in a situation like this, be prepared to lose some property. Like it's yeah. it's going to most likely happen if you got to you know toss something out or you got to lose a vehicle or you know, rioters are coming through and it, you haven't had time to secure your property or they've gotten through, be prepared to lose some stuff. It's, it's not worth the, the battle, especially um, with the laws here. You're going to lose whether it's when you're fighting somebody trying to protect your property or later on in court after you've been charged. Yeah. Just be prepared to lose property and replace it later. That's the thing. I mean, you know, part of being prepared is is making sure that the things that you have are insured against loss, right? So again, if my vehicle is lost due to riders, who cares? I'll just get a new one. If my house is destroyed, I mean, I'm not going to say who cares, but I'm, I'll, I'll just get a new house out of it, right? But if I'm not actively involved in, you know, defending that and getting a criminal record because of that or picking up some charges because of it, I'm of no use to my family if I'm locked up fighting these charges while I still lost the property anyway. So again, I mean, when it comes to property and vehicles and homes and all that kind of stuff, the insurance is going to replace it. Don't worry about it, right? 
just just make sure you don't pick up some charges because of it because that's not going to be helpful to your family at all it's just stuff right so uh go back to we've we've done we've done episodes on information security and how to keep your how to keep your your information which is the most important thing you have how to keep that safe we've gone back and talked about how to um how to spread out your supplies so that if one if one unit gets attacked you've still got you're, you're still not out of uh, out of luck we've done episodes on financial preparedness so that you're you're, you're covered in case of a um in case of a um a devastating loss like that but it's just stuff and stuff can be replaced and most people lose their heads over um over over their stuff and that's what ca- that's what causes violence it's, it's just things keep take care of the people that's the most important part still trying to figure out why people that are rioting always go for the tvs versus you know like actual useful stuff well <laughs> i love how can note it to begin with but I've got a friend that works for Apple here in, in, um, in, in, in my city, and he said, you know, what's funny is that all the iPhones and MacBooks and iPads that were looted from the Apple stores, I mean, Apple does a pretty good job at keeping inventory of what's in those stores, and they basically disabled everything, and now people are going back to Apple saying, well, you're not going to sell it anyway, so why don't, just, why don't you just unlock it for everybody? And they're like, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> they they do a cool. very good yeah. job of that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And, and the best is that they actually say, you know, this phone is locked, please return it to so-and-so. And you know this this is being tracked, and we're reporting it to the authorities. And these are popping up on Craigslist and all these for sale sites and down the states. And people are freaking out because they paid a thousand dollars for an iPhone that's now a brick. So, well, and the funny thing is, can you imagine the moxie involved going into store saying, "Hey, I stole this one. Would you would you mind activating it for me?" <laughs> I guess it actually, not to digress, but it happens a lot where people actually walk into the Apple store with a stolen phone and say, "Can you activate it?" And actually, the app, the Apple employees are actually told to take the phone. Um, and if the person kind of protests or anything, to just call the police and be like, "Listen, they brought in some stolen property." So there's probably a, there's probably a police file on it anyway. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like I said, they're they're very good at knowing where their devices are and how how to uh, disable them if need be. They didn't become a trillion dollar company by giving away no. free stuff all the time. So definitely yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, did we talk about getting caught in the uh, riot? type of thing briefly kind of so we're talking about you know stay stay the gray man right don't get involved don't but don't uh like don't contribute to the problem but don't um a don't try to solve it right you're you are not you're not a cop you're not full you're not in full right gear you are even if you are armed if you happen to be in a position where you're armed you are not going to be able to to overcome that many people who are that mad um just just go along don't stand out and and hope for the best really and when it comes to the gray man thing, I think what we're talking about for those listeners that may not be familiar with it is don't go into a crowd of people wearing tactical gear and having a tactical backpack and looking like a cop. Because to a group of riders or protesters, you're going to look exactly like that. You're going to look like a SWAT team member or a cop or and all that kind of stuff. You're just not going to have the idea. You're just not going to have the identifiers on you. But you're going to stand out in that crowd of people. Have a regular backpack. Have a pair of jeans and a hoodie. You're not going to stand out. You're going to be the gray man, so you're going to blend in. And as you know, as nice it is to have a nice tactical backpack it's just going to make you stand out just don't do it it's you know so a couple of things i did learn about this when i was doing some research for the topic here is that i guess for the protesters in hong kong uh social media of course is one thing how they can always identify people that are like breaking the law and stealing tvs and stuff just like you know this person that was bad enough but now i guess between facial recognition technology and they can actually recognize your ears um because they're like uh, i think alan said pre-show there's that unique as fingerprints um 
So these people are actually getting busted just by the shape of their ears right now. So like, you're not going to get with much if you actually do find yourself caught up in the moment and taking part in one of these things, right? So what we're saying is bring your muffs. Yeah, uh, or like your, like your little face mask above the ears. I don't know. Yeah, protect you yeah. against loud noises and uh, facial recognition software. <laughs> or just don't break the law. I mean, or, just, yeah, or you, yeah, you could do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Since we're throwing out ideas here, yeah. common sense prevails. No, yeah, number how, one, how, don't, don't loot. Uh, how pedestrian <laughs> is that? Yeah. Number one, quit breaking the law. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do appreciate the memes that are coming out of this, where you have, um, I'm just going to say, it's just a white guy coming out of Target with a Lego set. I mean, you know, Target's being Why? looted, and you could take anything you want, and you're taking a Lego set. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> have you yeah. bought Lego recently? It is oh, so I, have it, but, I, mean, I, I can understand why he's doing it, but, you know, yeah. if you want a quick way to identify yourself... <laughs> One uh, one more kind of uh, kind of thing. If you do happen to get caught up and you do happen to be detained slash arrested, one of the things that's being that that becomes a challenge, right, is that if your phone gets broken in the process, you may not have uh, contact information of the people you need to call. So um, if you if you have somebody that, that you have a plan to call uh, in the event that you do get detained slash arrested slash whatever, um, write that phone number on your arm and uh, get it. Um, so so we can't you know you've got it available if your phone happens to be destroyed um or if you happen to be disconnected from your phone for some for some reason if maybe um it gets sent to one part of an evidence lockup and it can't be retrieved and you're being offered a phone call but don't know who to call so um that kind of thing is really important um I'm calling Eric. Just, just telling you guys right now. <laughs> I have Eric's live stream an episode. I, I have call, Eric's phone number memorized. Yeah. <laughs> I had to call Saul. <laughs> yeah, that's a good person uh, to call. Yeah. And uh, we were uh, we were we were discussing kind of off air a, a very little bit about if you if you happen to be in an area that is um, that is being. Um, subdued with tear gas. Um, one, have goggles with you. Two. Um, um, Tear gas and CS gas are, are fairly acidic, so uh, um, a bottle of baking, a bottle of water with some baking soda in it, will help. Uh, will help cool your eyes and your your nasal passages. Don't drink it, of course. It's not going to help for you if you drink it, but if you swish your mouth out and rinse your eyes with it, that will uh, help neutralize the problem and reduce the symptoms. Um, well, and I saw one as actually. It's funny you mentioned that because you know, bring a gas mask or something. I saw a video yesterday of a protester. Um, they were getting sprayed with. It's probably like, um, you know, I don't know if it was CS gas or pepper spray, but anyways, they were being sprayed, and a cop walked up to one of the protesters and pulled off his gas mask and then sprayed him um, <laughs> because this guy was basically immune to it, right? So the cop walked up and yanked his his mask off. I don't know what the legality of that is, but um, well, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes too. But just like the opposite, like we we're talking about pre-show as well. Is that uh, I put a Google Mail article in the uh, in the notes, and it basically shows where they fired a tear gas canister into the crowd, and four or five guys with water bottles was able to put it out right on video in like two seconds. So, um, I guess what you're willing to counter, right? If you punt it back to the police, is it like just drawing like a an Uno card or something, or is it turns <laughs> <laughs> into right the potato? I believe. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you can, you can try that. I wouldn't want to. I I think that would be uh, uh, that would that would escalate the problem rather than de-escalate it, which is, you know, the, the the root, you know, probably the root of the the problem with people being mad at cops right now. Anyways, right? Canadian cops don't get into this trouble anywhere near as much because they spend dozens and dozens of hours t- t- training in de-escalation rather than 
restraint and overcoming force. So that's uh, they're nice. They're just yeah, they're polite. A lot nicer. They're, they're yeah. nicer, more polite, and and we can all use a little bit more polite. However, if you put that particular tear gas canister out, and I was thinking maybe a um, I don't know if a uh, uh, like a Rubbermaid tote with with a you know full of water might do that. We were hypothesizing on the uh, the effectiveness of of the, of the different methods, but maybe somebody out there knows better than we do. Um, that might help reduce the uh, reduce the problem rather than just redirect it. I was just thinking now, Alan, your 60-gallon garbage can full of water, that's 600 pounds. So They're on wheels. Okay, yeah. Okay, it's, yeah, you got to pick there. it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of... When I'm trying to move through a protest or move quickly, I, I, I don't think the 600-pound garbage can full of water is going to be my first thing I bring with me. But, well, it doesn't uh, have to be full of water, but like a 60-gallon... Um, a 60 gallon garbage can on wheels with you know half full of water is probably three right it's probably 300 pounds um, but if you had if you had a few of those you know strategically placed around and some heavy leather gloves you could probably pick one of those things strategically. up <laughs> strategically placed I mean there are strategically <laughs> placed piles of bricks there can be strategically placed garbage cans full of water too right that was interesting because that yeah. happened in a number of cities where there was you know just pallets of bricks being dropped off and it's like who's doing this isn't antifa is it who's who's doing this i mean who's fairy the brick fairy yeah yeah Yeah. why do things get smashed no idea like i don't know where 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 do people find bricks in the city like come on guys yeah uh, there was an upcoming there's upcoming construction project that must have been that required a single pallet of bricks Required yeah. a single pallet of bricks in that specific location right then during the riot. <laughs> the one that was kind of interesting was when the the, uh, the Minneapolis police had to abandon the third precinct because it was basically overtaken by uh, rioters and they basically torched the building. I mean, they, they looted it. I mean, I think they, they abandoned it, but they took most of what they needed to out of the building, knowing that they had to abandon it. Um, you know, I'm surprised they just didn't call in an airstrike and just, you know, since the building's going to be destroyed anyway. <laughs> I, would, I would take a guess at saying they probably had some form of a plan together ahead of time that if uh, we have to abandon, this is what we take. Yeah, yeah. because I don't think there was yeah. anything that was actually... T- but there was one video I saw in Seattle where somebody smashed um, a police cruiser, an SUV, and took an AR-15-style rifle out of it. Um, and he was holding it, and he only had it in his hand for 10 seconds until a Seattle police officer ran up on him with a handgun drawn and oh, grabbed yeah. that AR-15. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty quick. That was pretty yeah. slick. Uh, um, play, yeah, it was plainclothes guy, and he basically yeah. cleared, cleared the weapon and then took off with it. Yeah. Yep. So that'll so happen. Should we talk about the fun and games you can anticipate uh, running to if you get it caught up in a riot? Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing is the chance of physical harm because, you know, depending on which country you're in, if you're, even if you're not in Canada, if you just happen to be caught up in some, like, I don't know, protest of some sort, say, in Hong Kong or something. I mean, uh, during the G20, we had the, the mass pepper spraying of our, of our protesters in Toronto. Yep. All the way up to Hong Kong, they were using live ammo. I think we covered that in an episode about maybe three or four months ago. Yeah. Just yeah, before the COVID. Months, yeah. yeah, just before the COVID hit, I think they were up to, using up to live ammo at that point. And keep in mind, no matter where you are, it can escalate fast, right? It certainly can. So, some of the stuff we can run into. Rubber bullets. Anybody been shot by a rubber bullet yet? I've been shot by beanbag beanbag rounds, and I uh, I can tell you I wouldn't want to do that again, on, especially uh, especially under duress. 
I, I bet for another podcast or, you know, yeah, <laughs> that, that was the same weekend. I got, uh, I got, I got attacked by a taser a tease. I don't, I don't know. Um, wow, I, was, like I was assaulted weekend. with a conductive energy weapon uh, <laughs> as well as pepper spray. We did all three of them in a weekend. And, uh, I tell you, there was, uh, there were a lot of ice packs after that. Attacked That's, by a taser. That That's sounds like a party. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but, um, yeah, I've managed to live my whole life without getting shot by a rubber bullet, but I can imagine it would suck on many levels. <laughs> I for for disclosure, it was all in training, and I was planning for all of it, but uh, I didn't like any of it. it was all I've heard around. that it's equivalent to getting hit by a boxer, like. Or, I've never been hit by a boxer, so I don't know. I don't know but, either, but I'm I'm just saying. That. I mean, I've I've been pepper sprayed in the military. That's that's about the extent of it, right? Um, and I was that. Well, I, I've been pepper sprayed. I've been I've been in a gas hut, which both of them were that great of an experience, but um, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah, I've uh, I've had pepper spray once, but that was more of a fun and games thing, and I can't tell you where that was. But in the cockpit, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be interesting. But uh, no, it was uh, funny games in my in my youth. That uh, that was quite uh, an adventure. But anyway, um, yeah, no, that's all I've ever had uh, experience with. But I've seen some of the pictures from the rubber bullets, and it looks like yeah, it'll break the skin, it'll cause some welts, and you know, swell an eye shut and everything else if you don't get hit in the eye, of course. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's not a fun thing. That's one of the things to run into, but also the stampede issue. If you get a bunch of people like running yeah. away from tear gas or whatever, yep. you're looking one way, people are running the other way, and before you know it, you're getting trampled because nobody's going to slow down to see who's on the ground, right? No, yeah, no, they don't care you're there. And then we also saw, you know, when people were protesting Black Lives Matters, um, there were people going out there protesting the Black Lives Matters protesters, and they were literally getting their butts handed to them pretty quickly um and there's guys that i mean i don't know if anyone was killed but there's guys that were in pretty rough shape after being beaten up by the dvd protesters right so i mean it all depends what your agenda is going out to the protest but going out you know against a mob of you know one or two or three thousand people protesting what they're protesting is probably not the greatest idea so if you want to keep out of harm's way that's probably a good way to start yeah, some uh, sci-fi stuff for you there. So it sounds like the U.S. and the Israelis have kind of been working on some audio weapons. They're like some subsonic weapons that induce nausea and hearing loss, and because uh, they're loud as well. But uh, they're trying to like uh, it's microwave technology, I guess. And uh, basically, they've been trying to introduce those things. That's one thing if you ever run across that, it'd be interesting experience, I'm sure. But Cookie burns from the inside. Yeah, but uh, burns is the thing, right? So whether it's burning buildings, burning cars, um, yeah, you're gonna run into getting burned at some point, Molotov cocktails, or as that uh, one newscaster called the Mazel Tov cocktail, <laughs> which was awesome. I, I thought it was like, yeah, it's, I think you got that one wrong, but so, somebody spell check overrode good, uh, <laughs> good research on that one. That's right. But yeah, so I mean, uh, obviously burns are something you could uh, potentially have to deal with if you get caught in a, uh, in a riot of some sort. But uh, yeah, like I said, so like, we talked about this earlier, but the, uh, you know, the target of the mob changes at the drop of a hat. So you could end up being that target depending on how you're dressed and how you act and what you look like. We saw even um, in a number of cities in the U.S. there were some firefighters that were being attacked, fire trucks that were being attacked. Um, and, you know, like we said, you know, if you come up and you're in your vehicle, your personal vehicle, and you come up to a group of protesters, obviously don't try to get through them. But, I mean, if you're responding to a call in a fire truck, you would expect to be able to get through. But in a lot of cases, they weren't letting the fire trucks through. They were attacking the fire trucks. Um, and in one case, they set fire to a home that had a family inside, and then they blocked the fire truck from getting to the home to put the fire out. Um, so those are the things that kind of bore my blood when it comes down to that kind of stuff, right? At this point, you're not pro pro protesting anymore. You're, you know, you're you're out committing crime at this point. So, 
Well, of course, while the police are busy dealing with rioters, uh, the other end of town, there's a lot of opportunity for some opportunistic crime. So uh, bank robbery, mugging, rape, whatever. So if, you, if people think the cops are tied up on the other side of town, they're certainly going to act up on the empty side of town, so to speak, too, right? So that's something a great you might point. have to deal with. So you might not even be anywhere near a riot, but you might be affected by it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So if there's, if, there's no, if there's no one to stop you, then what would you do? That's right. The purge. The purge all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point. If you if there's a, a protest happening on the other end of town and you think you're all safe and nothing to worry about here, well, it, it might be uh, you know a false sense of security because, um, like you said, if everybody thinks that the authority is at the other end of town, they could be up to no good on your end. Well, a town I lived in that shall remain unnamed uh, had 125,000 people and five patrol cars on at any given time. And so, yeah, it, it wouldn't take much for one in a town for just even a house fire to tie up at least three or four of them. And then, yep. yeah, it's, it doesn't take much, right? Um, which is a problem. Nonetheless, that's why when they talk about defunding the police in certain towns, I kind of wonder if they're planning for a purge afterwards or what they're planning. But anyway. Well, I heard tonight as well that I think nine out of ten city councillors in Minneapolis are looking to basically dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department and replace it with some type of public safety organization of some sort. Um, good luck with well, that, but good luck with that. Yeah. 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 Uh, a, a public safety organization by the name of police. Yeah, exactly. Probably. I mean, I mean, you'd have to bring in the state police or the national guard while yeah. you're rebuilding the Minneapolis police department with prob- probably the same officers. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you want to replace the chain of command, okay. I mean, sure. But dismantling the entire department for what one person did. Yeah. Well, and even if it's, you know, again, I don't want to turn this into a into a political issue, uh, but the the actions of that one person are likely representative of the beliefs of the people above them. Right? There are no bad teams, only bad leaders. Um, so even if they were looking at replacing all of the chain of command from the top down, how far down do you go? Is one question. Two, how long does it take? And three, does is that actually going to bring along any change? Four. Even if you do dismantle the entire police department and rebuild it from nothing, what are you going to be able to do differently? Because you're either going to hire, you're either going to hire probably what a thousand new police officers with absolutely no experience, or you're going to have just more of the same. Uh, but the exact same guys with a different badge, just for optics, yeah. right? Yep. So I mean, because how do you vet them? Like, hey, would you? Are you going to step on somebody's neck or like kneel on somebody's neck? Just, just asking for a friend here. <laughs> like, how do you vet that exactly? So, well, and, and I mean, reality is that, that a lot of that comes down to training and expectations by the leadership. If the leadership says, um, just get the job done and get clear, then you're going to get a really different. Um, a really different outcome from if the leadership sets the expectation of um, do your job and do the least harm possible doing it. And they train everybody to that level. And I think uh, that's where probably Ontario has it a lot better than um, than a lot of other places where the, the level of training, I would say, is, probably, is, is a significantly higher. Um, I mean, OPC, I think, or Ontario Police College, I think is up to 16, 16 or 20 weeks now or something. And um, there are some police departments in, in the U.S. that are getting, you know, four to six weeks of, you know, here's your baton, this ends for Womp, and this ends for hold, and get out to the road. 
So I remember in yeah in Texas where they were looking for a lot of officers. This was probably like ten years ago. They were offering a three week training pro- program for a civilian to become a, a like a rookie police officer. I'm sure you'd have to do some OJT and all that kind of stuff. But it's a three week program, which this was again a, a decade ago, so it's probably not around anymore. But three weeks, and you're given a gun and a badge, and you probably do a ride along for a few weeks with another officer, and then you're you're, you're cut loose at that point. Oh, uh, wow. that's yeah. And the the age to apply was nineteen. So you could have people as young as 19 applying to not hormonally child um, charged at all. Right. Yeah. That's um, yeah. And I just looked in the Minneapolis police department is uh, 1100 employees with 800 sworn officers. Um, that's not an easy task to dismantle no. and rebuild. And yeah, that's, that's well, and who would want to now, right? Who, who would want Who would want to have that name on them? Um, the, the good, the good ones might stick around, but again, like to Ian's point, how do you vet that? You've got people who, um, you know, you've got in, in this particular this particular instance, you've got one officer that that um, that did something very bad, who had a number of previous use of force charges against him, or use of force investigations, and you had a pattern of excessive force and inappropriate uh, conduct, and then you had three other people standing there watching it happen, who had probably never, um, who had never been investigated for something like that before but still but it still happened while the three of them were standing there watching watching it happen now so. my my understanding of those three is they were all recruits being trained by uh that specific by officer yeah. so that that gives you a little bit of a one of them was four days on the in, job right? this yeah. is fourth day on the job so i mean if if this is your fourth day on the job and your superior officer your training officer is doing something you know yeah. to question him in the middle of an arrest that's not the time and place to do it you don't walk up to him and say, I don't think you should have your knee on, on his neck for that long, right? It's not, it's, I don't think it would happen like that. Um, yeah. You know, this no. is something you'll probably discuss after the fact. I don't know, but, you know, swap it out and, and put a, you know, a 20 year vet in that situation with him. Totally different. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Uh, a new kid. Yeah. Tough spot to be in as the new kid. It's, yeah. it's a it's a really tough spot, and it, it, again, it comes back to the leadership, right? So, yeah. so somebody put him in a leadership role to be training to be training new recruits. Somebody put them in a leadership role, and somebody put them in a leadership role. Like there's, you know, there, there for for all of those levels, you've got, you know, but see, other, Alan, that that may not come with senior with with um, it may not come with. It may just be a seniority thing too, right? This guy has 15 years on the job, um, regardless of the performance. It's just a seniority thing, right? So, well, and I think that's that's systemic of the problem, right? Just because he's got 15 years on the job doesn't make him qualified to be teaching other people. Yeah, agreed. And 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 same same thing. You might you might you might have 20 years 20 years of service under you, but that doesn't qualify you to be a sergeant or an inspector or a deputy chief, right? That's that those those qualities are are a totally different matter. Um, that have nothing to do with seniority. And I think that's a lot of the problem, especially in the U.S., that they're so heavily unionized that there's no, there's no mechanism. Uh, there's no mechanism to... Um, Be to a merit based rather than... Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there, and there's, but there's lots of organizations that are not meritocracies. They're just like strictly your number comes up. If you want it, it's yours. And that's the way it is. Yep. And it's not just police. It's like a lot of organizations. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. and, and, oh and teachers. And, there's a yeah. lot of occupations, right? A- absolutely. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, a lot of them are, a lot of it comes back to um, government problems, right? It's a... Uh, um, you know the the government uh, the the government agencies that have all of these people and they're too big for their britches and the only way that they can the only way they can 
assign a position is based on some kind of arbitrary uh, skill because you or arbitrary metric because you can't assess each person individually because they're too big. And so I think that that's that's probably that's probably that, that ends up being you know one of the roots of the of the problem is that they just can't do it. Um, they they can't promote based on merit because there are too many, right? Like you said, Minneapolis has eight hundred sworn officers. So for eight hundred sworn officers, um, you know you've got one sergeant's position open. How do you how do you vet even even call it? 400 applications for it how do you vet 400 people effectively for who's who's the best person in charge um then we see the same thing with uh you know with uh recruiting even right for every i don't know if it's if it's true across the board but um around here for every career firefighter position that's available every position you get approximately 3,000 applicants how can they possibly find the best person for that job well, especially they might have just uh, talked to the person like once five years ago or something and yeah like it's not like there's a yearly like peer review or anything happening on with a lot of these jobs too right yeah right and so and so that's i mean it, it comes back to you've got a you've got a, a system that is um that has to work on the cheap because it's taxpayer money and despite the fact that they have to do it at the least amount of cost they're on consistent budget overruns so they have to they have to accomplish a goal and they don't have the the mechanism or the ability to um to vet those to vet all of those people effectively so one you're not necessarily putting the best people in role two you're not developing them properly three you're not uh, you're not promoting them properly and so you end up with somebody in in a position of position of influence that should never have been there and then you end up with you know people screaming that they can't breathe and dying as a result which I guess is because the last point of the dangers of being stuck in a riot, the guilt by association. So whether you're Absolutely. whether you're the, the rookie cop dealing with the experienced cop, you know, you're, he was definitely guilty by association. He's an orange, he's an orange jumper now, right? But there's also the fact is that if you like were known as the guy that broke into the target, fifty years from now, people are still gonna remember you're the guy that broke into the target in the local neighborhood, uh, or maybe you're one of his friends helping or whatever. He's watched it happen. Uh, a buddy of mine is actually, for a good example, the Vancouver riots back in the day when they had the Stanley Cup championship in Vancouver. And even though they won, they still rioted here. Yep. And my buddy was actually on TV because he lived there, right where the riots were taking place. And he just was out in his housecoat, watched the riots happen, and just off of the CBC Live, came by and asked him what he thought of it and everything else. And even though he didn't do nothing wrong other than watch, you know, sip his coffee watching these people drive or walk by and have the riots, for the next five years, people are asking him why he was taking part in that riot. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just guilt by association because he's just he's just, just associated with the the image right and so it doesn't yeah. take much to ruin your life other people's lives you know your career and they also just yeah avoid these things at all costs oh, yeah. in, in the days of uh you know everybody's got a camera and everybody posts everything instantly to the internet yep yeah, you can become that person instantly and, and that's the thing too is like you know what's happening in real time they may not be able to get a hold of everyone or you know apprehend everyone in real time but they're going to go back and they're going to have thousands if not hundreds of thousands of hours of footage to review and with facial recognition all that kind of stuff they're probably going to be able to nab a lot of people that um that were participating in this after the fact right um i don't know if they're going to be pursuing that or what but i mean you know the footage is there right you just have to submit a request to, you know tiktok or instagram or whoever it was and you'll get the footage so yeah like the guy that drove the forklift to the target there through that front door <laughs> and it was like waving for the camera. He was like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, uh, you know he's gonna get caught sooner." Uh, yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, uh, if, so, he's not, if he's not caught, I've got some questions. Yeah. So uh, I guess all in all, good case for bug out plan if you live downtown. Yeah, absolutely. We we're saying yeah. at the beginning, you know, you have to have plan A and you have to have plan B. And they can they can certainly interchange. Plan A and plan B can be for all kinds of different scenarios. Uh, but uh, it can certainly apply to, to protests or, or some sort of unrest around your residence for sure. Don't have a floor like a, a street level apartment, you know, be a few stories up at least. And <laughs> hopefully it's going to shield you from, you know, some vandalism and all that kind of stuff. So if you're going to, if you're going to live in an apartment, you're best to live between the third and seventh floors. Third floor, you can't, your balcony is pretty well accessible from the ground and the, up to the seventh floor, it's still accessible by a uh, tower ladder on a fire, tr- on a fire truck. There you go. Oh, yeah. And um, if you're climbing the balcony, you could always go to the medieval ways of protecting your apartment by pouring hot water or hot oil. Oil, into them. yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe not do that. Just you know, yeah. Hypothetically, you could do that. Yeah. Just Legal disclaimer: we do, we do not, uh, we do not encourage people to pour boiling liquid on other people. This is and Don Hughes's. Yeah. Our lawyer says that we do not recommend that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, but we do recommend personal first aid kits, which is like Absolutely. from like a cold pack, burns, little ouch pouch, band-aid stuff. Not a whole big bug out bag but if you're, uh, full of first aid stuff. But yeah, if you're going to be anywhere near a ride, I'd say it's probably a good idea to have enough to uh, to bend yourself up on a small level at the very least. Um, if you don't. A little IFAC comes in handy. Yeah. A, tur- a tourniquet, some some uh, Sealox gauze, and a uh, couple of ga- couple of gauze pads, and some some Coban will do you, will do your world of good, keeping you going, keeping you're getting you at least out to safety if if the worst does happen. And I think we're gonna do a we're gonna do an episode, another episode on that sometime soon too, because we need to refresh on it. So that's uh, absolutely. And if you if you do decide to go participate in some kind of uh, some kind of protest, uh, and we fully encourage you to protest peacefully, um, don't take anything with you you don't want to lose. Because yep. reality is, you got to plan for the worst and hope for the best. If you take something with you that you that you don't want to lose, um, or that you wouldn't want to necessarily get caught with, um, you know, if there's if there's something that uh, something that is you know that you have that somebody else might want, maybe don't take it with you. Um, you know that uh, you know the the. the Whatever it may be, in in, in Canada, drug, uh, marijuana happens to be legal, but it also makes you a target. Uh, if somebody wants it and you have it and they don't, so just leave leave your stuff at leave your stuff in a safe place. Um, just keep the stuff to keep you alive and uh, write those phone numbers on your arms so that you don't. Uh, if you happen to get separated from your phone, you can still call for help. And we do. We have a, a comment in the live chat from uh, from one listener. It says, uh, "Remember when we all knew like thirty different phone numbers." <laughs> I still remember all those phone numbers, but they're all from 30 years ago, and nobody nobody answers those numbers anymore. (laughs) Or if they do, they don't know you. Well, area codes don't even make sense anymore. It used to be like you had one area code for the whole province or whatever, and and now it's like cell phones have a different prefix, everything else, and and even my daughter's numbers, they're just nonsensical numbers, but... Yeah. Yeah. I think now I think I know three numbers off by heart. Um, the rest are kind of, yeah, I probably wouldn't remember them. No, I, I left my cell phone. Uh, I left my cell phone in a car one time, got a ride into work, had to, uh, had to call my better half for, to let her know that I was done work. Uh, actually had to go to HR and have my employee file pulled so I could look up her phone number. <laughs> I, I do not retain phone numbers anymore. I, her, her phone number is speed dial two and ask me what it is beyond that. And it's speed dial two. 
I should I should remember another phone number because I think if I get locked up and I called my wife, they'd be like, "So you're gonna hold him, right? So he's gonna be there for a little bit." Okay, all right, no perfect. Problem. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah make sure yeah. The per- make sure the person who you're calling is actually gonna yeah. help you. Yeah, I know where he is. We're good here. Yeah. You want me to post bail? No. How long will you hold him if I don't? Yeah. Oh, thirty days. Oh, good. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> I am so peace and quiet. <laughs> all right. Well, does anybody on the panel have anything else to add? Uh, before we move on to podcast challenge. No, nope, I was surprised we were able to fill an hour with that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can always fill an hour. I think. <laughs> Come on, it's a prepper talk at topic. We can kill a couple hours if we had to. Yeah. Well, for the podcast challenge, uh, let's plan a way of exiting an area of unrest without a vehicle. If you live in an urban area or if you visit one often. So, I mean, uh, if you're going to get stuck in downtown Vancouver and you want a way out, think of, uh, you know, a way that you'd be able to walk out, bike out fast without using public transport or your own car. Because you never know when they just shut everything down at the last second, right? And it's a, a great thing to do because it can apply to pretty much any type of situation, not just riots and, and protests. It can apply to any type of emergency situation you may find yourself in. So something good to, to build into your radiological kind of planning. Yep. Yeah, or you want, just don't, don't want to be downwind of those things, I guess, right? No, you don't. <laughs> so looking at upcoming events, uh, we have TACCOM Canada 2020, which is running September 11th to 13th. Uh, the Canadian Program Podcasters Network will be in attendance at TACCOM 2020. Your favorite podcasters will be on hand throughout the show, so make sure you stop at a booth uh, to meet your favorite and pick up your favorites and pick up some swag. You can see the details for the show at the ticket link uh, within the show notes. All right. So for some shout-outs, uh, I've got a few, actually. So I've got Lister Steve for uh, helping me meet up with my uh, ham radio examiner. And so my ham radio examiner, uh, of course, I'd like to send out a thank you to Costa. And uh, the other mentor, of course, for helping me get my quad back together uh, and teaching me more stuff than I can possibly absorb in, in the space of a few hours. So many thanks to all three of those guys. It's awesome. All right, and we'll move into email and iTunes reviews. And I'm just pulling up the iTunes reviews now. Oh, thank cool. You, I got it. I got a comment from Facebook. Uh, it says, hey, guys, just listened to the hog episode and thought it was perfect. It was uh, approached from the homesteader point of view. And as one who isn't trying to become a full-time farmer, but something, somebody looking for homegrown meat and maybe just a little bit of profit off on the side. It was just what I needed to be sure that hogs were not in my future. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys considered doing a similar episode about cows? Keep up the good work from Mike. So I've never considered having a cow on this acreage because it's way too steep and I'd probably have them with a broken leg in five minutes. But uh, you guys with flat terrain, thinking about cows yet? Can't say as I am. No, I've got a cat. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't have a, I don't have room for cows. Yeah, uh, we're, we're looking at chicken, chickens first, maybe goats, but uh, not, cows are not in our future. Very I few think, people, I think, have a, a property big enough to do one cow, and if they do, they probably have twenty cows because the amount of uh, grazing land and and general space they need because they're large animals, it's it's pretty in, insane. So, I'd say that's more of a commercial op thing. As soon as you get to yeah. start talking cows. I think I think the infrastructure needed to maintain one cow, um, you know, you may as well, like you said, get 20 at that point, right? So yeah. if, there, if there happens to be a listener out there that has cows and wants to talk about it, then drop us a line, uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca, and we'd love to have you on and talk about this because this, uh, this is a topic that we'd love to cover. And actually, and also, in ser- all seriousness, bison, because um, actually the guy I was working with just the other day asked me about bison, and I was like, haven't got a clue, but they seem awfully big and awfully angry, but, you know, like, I don't know the first thing about it, but it is one of those alternatives that, you know, they're low maintenance animals, they're good for the Canadian climate and so on and so on. 
um, it actually is a, a realistic thing to think about if you have the land to do it. So if anybody raises bison, we'd like to hear about that too. Yeah, there's some bison farms around here. I'm, I'm within an hour's drive of me. There are a couple of bison farms, so um, people do do it. Uh, if, again, if if there's anybody out there listening that that raises bison, we want to hear about it. Let's let's have an episode. Yeah, there's actually a guy I know that hunts them up in the Yukon, so they're all the way up there too. So, wow, I didn't think they were up that far. <laughs> yeah, no, I was surprised too. But yeah, I guess they're they're. I mean, when I think board. bison, I think like Montana, Manitoba, you know, yeah. those places, but. Well, there's the uh, the woodland bison and a couple other ones like the, just like caribou, right? Like there's barren ground and woodland, uh, but there's different species of bison, like uh, as far as size goes and stuff. And uh, these are the ones that you know go through the Yukon. So, just like there's also house hippos for those. In there's, there's house hippos too. Yeah, <laughs> no, I've always wanted a house hippo. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, uh, so, iTunes reviews, you said? Yeah, so uh, for our iTunes, we are up to 54 five-stars. We've got five four-stars, two three-stars, one two-star, and that one little guy at one star is still keeping us honest. So it's a total of 63 so far on iTunes. So we appreciate you guys sending the reviews in. Uh, nothing written uh, recently. The last written review we've got is from February the 26th, and I read that quite a while ago. So, uh, But the, uh, the reviews, at least, are still coming in, so appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, that, they don't want yeah. they don't want to write to us anymore. Oh, at least they're hitting the star buttons. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I will bring episode number seventy-one of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out and submit a review. A written one would be appreciated, so I have something to read at the uh, last segment there. And we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we are going live. If you want to find me, you can get me directly on Instagram at PPSWO or by email, Alan with one L at prepperpodcast.ca. And for Hughes, for myself, I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com or Hughes at prepperpodcast.ca. And I also have my own YouTube channel. Just search YouTube for hfxprepper. All right. You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at the island retreat at, island retreat at gmail.com. I'll speak English today. You can also <laughs> find me at Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. There you'll find me discussing why government waste and society in general wants to send me off to a peaceful protest. No. I'm not riot. <laughs> All right, and uh, you can check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat while you're, of course, buying some Prepper gear. Uh, You can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening, and until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.